0: Hello, you are listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the a and Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, SPS Commerce, and Suzzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week too. Today is May 18th, 2023. I'm your host, Ann Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are evolving to shape the future. And Chris, this is one of our favorite shows of the month. It is. It is. It is my favorite
1: show. For the month, every month, and every month, it, every single it definitely month, is is,
0: especially when earnings reports come out, because I love having this duo on the show to help us break those down, which is one gonna be one of our stories today. Um, joining us today for their regular monthly appearance are two of our favorite people from the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Dave Ritter and David Brown. Welcome, Dave and David. Tell the audience the two Daves, the two well, not the two Daves, Chris. It's the Dave and David show. We got to be very specific now because Dave hates David, the name and David hates Dave, the name. So we have to, we have to honor their preferences here.
1: That's um, right. And it's right. It's hard
0: to keep it straight. We'll see if we can do our, do our, uh, we'll, we'll do, do our, our best, best. Here throughout the show. Um, David Brown, let's start with you. Tell the audience a little bit about you and your background and, uh, and some of the context you're going to be providing today for our fast five.
2: Uh, thanks. Ann. happy to. Uh, so, Lifelong consultant, uh, with a little bit of, uh, banking, uh, you know, sprinkled in at the the beginning of my career, uh, really spend all my time in, in retail and, uh, and a little bit in, uh, CPG. So looking forward to uh, sharing that, uh, point of view and, uh, over the next uh, hour or so.
0: Excellent. We're very happy to have you. And Dave Ritter, the OG of the AM Consumer and Retail Group yes. participation in the Fast Five. How's it going? Tell the audience a little bit about you. It's been a while since you've been on the show, so give give us a yes. recap. I, I,
3: I think this is time number six, so really excited to be here this again. Six times. Wow. wow. Six times. Green jacket for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, nice to meet you. Dave Ritter, uh, I am a long-term consultant yeah. in the retail space. I do almost all my work in retail. I uh, wow. Most of the topics I serve clients on sit at the intersection of uh retail technology and operations. So just excited to be here.
0: Well, we are very excited to have you, Chris. How are you holding up? We uh we were in Bar- we were live from Barcelona last week. Now we're back in Minneapolis, living the dream. Um I'm, str-
1: I'm struggling and I'm not gonna lie. This is uh for those watching the video, you'll see that I'm in uh in not quarantine per se, but I'm in my attic in my house, you know, recording this because uh hey a podcast is easy to do remotely and there's no sense in getting you sick. So uh, <laughs> But we shoulder on. Appreciate that. I'm Thank glad you. we have, I'm glad we have these two, Dave and David, to help shoulder the load here because I'm going to need it today for sure. But uh let's get to it, Ann. You ready? All right, let's do it. All right, guys, let's do this. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on Amazon paying people ten dollars to pick up packages. Google is starting to test generative AI for search, in-game shopping via something called Amazon Anywhere. A new startup called Telly that plans to give away 500,000 free 4K TVs this year. Ayo. Oh, yeah. But we begin today with the earnings roundup. and
0: All right. That is correct, Chris. The big guys, Walmart, Target, and Home Depot, all reported earnings this week. Here are some of the highlights. So according to Retail Dive, on Tuesday, the Home Depot reported first quarter net sales fell 4.2% from a year ago, while comp sales also fell 4.5%. The company also updated its guidance, saying it now expects sales and comp sales to decline between 2 and 5% year-over-year year compared to its previous guidance of flat. Then on Wednesday, CNBC reported that Target stuck with its full-year outlook, saying it expects comp sales will range from a low single-digit decline to a low single-digit increase for the first fiscal year coming off of flat first-quarter comp. Target CEO Brian Cornell also made specific mention of organized crime a number of times, over 20, in fact, uh, that and said that Target expects shrink will reduce the retailer's profitability by more than half a billion dollars compared with last year. And finally, this morning, Walmart raised its guidance for the year reporting uh, after reporting U.S. same store sales were up 7.4%, way ahead of analyst estimates of 5.5%, with digital sales coming in at a whopping 26%. Now, take a moment to digest all of that information. Good job, Anne. That was a tough one. It was one. a lot. So, David Brown, we're going to go to you first. What, what do you make of these three major retailers earning reports right now? What What lessons should we be taking away?
2: Yeah, I, I think what you're saying, Ann, is um, I'm not surprised by any of it. It's, no. you know, okay. value, value makes a lot of sense right now, right? Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. And if you just look at, you know, some of the retail reports that have come out in the last week, and it basically shows that spending is down in most, most categories, but up in grocery and up in consumables. And, you know, if I marry that with just some of the conversations that we've been having in the industry, almost everybody is seeing kind of down traffic. I don't know if it's a combination of, uh, tax season, or you know, finally the catch up of inflation, or uh, you know maybe people are spooked that uh, our government won't get its act together and and, and solve the, uh, the the debt ceiling. But um, you know there's a, a retreat to you know high value and a retreat to you know what people need the most, right? Which is right. Uh, groceries and consumables. So I think that you'll see uh, eating out less and and everything like that. So. The places that provide food and basics at a you know, an extreme value or value, which is right. our target. If you look yeah. at uh, grocery outlets numbers, if you look at you know what uh, I expect Dollar Tree or, or Dollar General to report, um, you know that that's where you're seeing a, a lot of activity, and you're starting to see a lot of uh, trade down activity as well, even from high income uh, consumers. Right. So me the the earnings for the industry are exactly in line with what I would expect.
0: Yeah. Not mm-hmm. great news for the retail industry, but hopefully good for consumers when it comes to inflation. Hopefully that means that we can, we'll, we'll level out here in a little bit. Dave Ritter, what are your thoughts? You got, you got some opinions on the uh, the old earnings reports this, this week?
3: You know, I think Dave, David covered it quite well, but I'd add two things. I think, you know, it's not only a traffic problem uh, outside of value. we're seeing basket sizes get smaller and, 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 uh, you know, it's pretty clear that the, the consumer is tightening the belt, um, and I don't think we can highlight uh, enough shrink's impact on earnings. Uh, it's unprecedented, and it's in uh, almost every industry vertical is experiencing it. Um, you know, it, it, beyond theft, even you know, even into fresh, uh, we're seeing uh, shrink levels go up. Obviously, uh, that's a that's going to be a, a, a weight on uh, on earnings going forward. Yeah. So Dave, so Dave, you think so
1: that's that's a legitimate call out from Cornell then. You guys are hearing that across the board across every
3: retailer brand you're consulting yeah. with. I mean, this is a major issue starting areas of to pop our clients, uh get over 10%, over 15% shrink which you, yeah, in retail that makes that store uh, untenable frankly.
0: Yeah. And Dave, right. I mean, is it Is it? What are the causes of that shrink? Because I think like we heard the Walgreens CEO come out and say like a lot of these retail CEOs are kind of overblowing the whole like shrink numbers and they're using that as an excuse for, you know, a cover up for some other things that are going on behind the scenes. Is it actual retail theft that you're seeing? Is it more in they're deploying new types of technology and there's, you know, the wrong things getting scanned or extra stuff's getting accidentally put into a buy online, pick up in store order? Like what are the causes of that?
3: I mean, I think it varies by store, right? I, yeah. First off, I think, uh, you know, across the board, uh, inventory accuracy has been a problem, uh, right. especially as we move into an omni-channel world, which is driving some of it. We call it paper strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there are select, uh, especially urban locations where, where retail theft is becoming a problem to the point right. where, you know, and, and with policies where security guards can't really stop people. Yep. Um, it, it just becomes, yeah, essentially you can walk out with, you know, up to $900 worth of stuff in California and not be prosecuted. So there's just no, in in some cases, there's no way to stop it.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's a tricky, really tricky position for, for retailers. That's for sure. Chris, um, what are your thoughts here? You want to jump in?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think too, you know, I think the macroeconomic factors are probably having a play on that too. And people are more budget constrained. You're going to see more activity in that, in that arena as well. So I think that's also a play here. I mean, for me, I don't have much to add beyond what Dave and David already said, but I think the two points I would make is one, you know, kudos to Walmart and McMillan. I mean, mm-hmm. they've just done a masterful job setting them up, sells up for success to uh succeed in this macroeconomic environment, in my opinion. The the digital number is really outstanding, 26% increase to last year. That's mm-hmm. in contrast to Walmart, where they're or sorry, to Target, where their digital sales fell. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, the other point I would make too, which is you know, their sales declined three, almost three and a half percent, just shy of that. So you know, and it's probably due to the fact that people are spending less on discretionary items, which make up a larger portion of what people purchase at Target. Sure. Whereas the Walmart, you have to assume the converse of that, where that digital growth is actually still being fueled by non-discretionary items, which positions them very well in the market. So, you know, I'm a little worried about Target not, you know, revising their guidance here going forward. I think that could still be likely the case or something that we see in the future, but you know, hard to tell at this time, but that's, that's my one watch out is okay, whoa, what happens to target here in the, the back half of the year?
0: Yeah, I agree. Same questions for me, Chris, like one target, if shrink is this big of a problem, like so much of a problem, a billion dollars there that he's estimating. What are you doing about that? Like, what are you going to start putting in technology to try to avoid things like this from, you know, from happening? The other thing too, is that, you know, the, you, Chris, you called out the, the decline in online sales for target. I'm curious, like anecdotally, I've seen a shift, um, in my own purchases from there where mm. this $35 threshold for shipping is now put into place, even if you're a red card holder, which used to be free shipping on mm, a lot of yeah, products. Yeah. And I wonder if that's, you know, that, that, you know, change, like we're going to talk about in some of the stories to come here, but this change to what's the threshold, are you willing to spend $35 to get shipping from target? Or is that driving more consumers in store to actually go purchase those items? them to save themselves, you know, that, that extra, that extra fee or hitting that minimum. So we'll yeah. see lots to come there. It's,
1: it's all interesting. And Walmart, uh, I haven't had a chance to read the full earnings announcements, but yeah. from the headlines I'm seeing too, Walmart didn't mention shrink at all, which is also right. very fascinating to me. So, right. so, all right, well, let's keep rolling. Headline number two, Amazon wants to pay customers $10 to pick up packages. According to Yahoo Finance and what, and in what some would consider an odd promotion, I being one of them, Amazon is offering a $10 incentive to first-time users or anyone who has not used Amazon's pickup service over the last 12 months, which basically means that if you want to pick up your packages at Whole Foods, an Amazon Fresh store, or even inside of a Kohl's, Amazon will pay you $10 to do so. Dave Ritter, what do you think of this promotion? Would you have would you have advised Amazon to take this approach?
3: I actually like this approach. You do. Uh, I- one thing that you didn't add is this is in Los Angeles. So I think that adds a, a that adds totally. a slight nuance. Oh, right, um, great. The, so obviously the, the cost of end-to-end fulfillment right. and delivery to, to the end customer has gone up. Uh in California specifically, they're facing uh a, a bunch of wage pressure and the right. talent market to get drivers it is is very tight. So in that world in, in that with that kind of strategic context, I think essentially it's going to cost you about ten dollars of delivery in California anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to return that to your customer um, and to train your customer to do a more economic, uh, a more economic model uh, makes makes sense to me. Uh, there was a second part of that article that I don't like, which okay. was uh, Amazon is going to charge a one dollar fee for returns uh, to UPS stores um, as opposed to Amazon stores. Uh, but there's a nuance there that is around if it's closer to the delivery point. I think right. that policy is very confusing and, and not very customer centric. And to be honest, it, usually a carrot works better than a stick with a customer. So, you know, <laughs> I understand that returns are a big problem, but but the fee rather than, um, you know, rather than the carrot makes uh, it, I don't know that that's a very smart customer centric move. Right. just trying trying
1: Yeah. It's kind of confusing. Yeah. You can get paid to go pick something up, but if you want to go to a place to return it on behalf of Amazon, then you got to, you, you got to. You got to pay the fee yourself. Yeah, that is kind of odd. Uh, David, David, David Brown, what are your thoughts here?
2: I, I love it as well. I think you do. There, wow. I think there's another angle that uh, that we're missing, and it ties back to the the shrink conversation. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you if you actually go pick up a, a package yourself, right, it eliminates the whole concept of porch pirates. Right. And uh, you know, so it's just yet another way to eliminate shrink by not. You know, having to you know, have a UPS driver or whoever, an Amazon Prime driver, drop it off, somebody steal it, and uh, and then go through that whole process, uh, which not only you know affects free and affects customer service, you know, all of those type of things. So, if you get it yourself; you've taken responsibility for it.
1: So, so you're in the you're in the yay camp on this as well and a, what are you thinking?
0: David's point is great. I mean I think that was something that mm-hmm. if you read into you know what Cornell was saying in the previous story like that you know the whole like I didn't receive it and oh yeah, I got it two days later but now I have two items shipped me. I mean that is a problem that is contributing to that billion dollars in shrink. So I didn't even think about that but I love that idea of the traceability then uh, that Amazon will now have of these packages but i think you know what dave ritter said in the beginning is right like amazon is using this to retrain us we have to be retrained and it's not just amazon we're seeing this we're seeing fees for returns and changes to this you know shipping time to returns processes from you know j crew zara h&m and now amazon is is doing this too with you know training us on how and when we can expect delivery returns that process to, to evolve. And it's not going to be what we're used to. So I think mm-hmm. this is a smart play to get people into this new kind of method of thinking of, especially in urban areas. Like I'm just going to, now I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to pick up my Amazon stuff that same day. Um, and it works out great for the retailers, great for Amazon. And eventually I think the customers are going to come to, to do this because mm. it's expensive. Mm. That's
1: it. I see ya. <laughs> excuse me
2: Uh,
0: yeah
1: right i mean i think conceptually conceptually i like it on its surface but i don't think it's going to work that's that's my key here like my key point here is because i think it highlights what am what amazon's biggest weakness is is that it doesn't have a physical location where you go to get things done you know that's not a part that's not in the mind of the consumer like when you go to shop when you go and shop on amazon you're like hey, I'm going to go there because I want this delivered to my house. It's like kind of goes it part and parcel with shopping there. And today, and David Brown, to your point, like if I'm concerned about porch piracy, I'm probably going to Amazon to pick up my packages already. So the incentive isn't going to do anything to spur new behavior. And so, you know, you contrast that with like a place like a Walmart or a Target, like a Home Depot, the places we've already talked about where people are going to get things done. I feel like this type of behavior is going to naturally happen with that consumer base. Amazon, you're shopping Amazon. You're not thinking that way as a consumer. That's why I just don't think this is going to work in the long run. And it highlights what is, you know, becoming a glaring strategic weakness for them. And the fact that, yeah, physical physicality for Amazon just isn't part of our equation as consumers.
0: Yet though, Chris, I think that's the big purpose. Like is this $10 incentive going to work? I don't know, but I think we just don't have it yet. I think as you start to get, as Amazon starts to expand their footprint of these types of you know, pickup lockers. It's not just going to be, you know, one Amazon pickup locker in the middle of nowhere. It's going to be at some of the grocery stores. It's going to be at the gyms, like these places that you're having these repeat visits to outside of Target and Walmart. I think there's the potential and, and what's the harm in, in trying out a $10 credit for people to, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. They can at least see if they get any adoption from it and which areas of the country they are seeing more adoption.
1: Yeah, fair point. I mean, they're great at experimenting. All right, let's keep rolling,
0: Anne. All right. Headline number three, Google has started testing generative AI for search and ads. According to Marketing Dive, the use of AI is meant to take some of the heavy lifting out of search, answering not only the initial user query in detail, but also offering follow-up suggestions and links while preserving context from question to question. User experience-wise, Google also said that its ads will appear in dedicated slots in AI-generated responses similar to how they surface in conventional search today. Uh, And on the shopping front, Google's AI-powered search will draw on a Google shopping graph of over 35 billion product listings to present recent reviews, ratings, prices, and product images that can inform purchasing decisions. Uh, Dave Ritter, let's go to you first. Um, I have a two-parter for you on this, Dave. First, I want to know what you think this means for Google and the whole Google search landscape as they try to, you know, hold on for dear life and not be overtaken. And second, what are what are you advising clients to do that you're working with in regards to AI more generally? Like, how are you telling retailers and brands that you work with to approach using AI in operations?
3: So your first question, uh, I think this is a great move by Google. I think it's a natural evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, but when I search, I often have to search two, three, four times to get the comprehensive answer to the, the question that I was trying to get the answer to. Mm-hmm. This feels like that will streamline the user experience and get you a more comprehensive, correct kind of full answer uh, right. faster. Right. Um, in terms of our clients, you know, when ChatGPT came out, I can't tell you how many of our clients, uh, you know, board members c-suite reached out and was like what is Bones this it doing it um it was it was it was actually you know there's a few few times in my career that, that an event has really triggered outreach at that level really um, so, you know it is a hot topic for for our clients um and you know they've started to dip a toe in the water in terms of using it but it's mostly in places like you know, corporate Communications if you're going to issue a statement have chat GPT write it the first draft for you mm-hmm. uh, pretty simple things like that I think what we're telling our clients is that a more comprehensive view uh makes sense because I mean effectively this is you know this this should be thought of as a form of automation and can be and it has a pretty wide-ranging uses from whether it's you know in due diligence, getting, collecting benchmarks, all the way to HR and writing job descriptions, like that, sure. across the gamut of, of retail, uh, specifically retail support. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities here. And, and frankly, you know, if you take a piecemeal approach, I don't think you ever get great execution. So we're, we're encouraging people to think about it in a programmatic fashion.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, thinking about those operational things, just like taking the first pass out of it, removing those mundane, like just the assembly, and then leveraging your your the intellect of your human workforce to kind of augment that a little bit. It sounds like exactly. Yeah, uh, David Brown, what are your thoughts here?
2: Yeah, no, I I think it's a great move by uh, Google as well, right? I mean, to me, I, I think the race on the AI front and search is is really what personalization was meant to be. Mm -hmm. And and, and a lot of the retailers couldn't figure out, uh, I think it's gonna get figured out for them in some ways, right, so now, you know, I make a query and if I can get a lot better answer to that query, that's effectively a form of of personalization. Now, I, I I think the retailers have to figure out how they provide the right input into the algorithms Mm-hmm. So that they bounce out on top, right? It's now. It's what's the what's the next version of? I'm going to pay for this keyword or okay. uh, uh, you know search engine optimization. How do you actually beat the AI algorithm to get your product, your company, your answer into you know Google's answer or Bing's answer or, or whoever it's going to be, right? right? Uh, or you know ChatGPT or or, or whatever. Uh, you know, and on, on, on the company front, I completely agree with Dave. It's a, it's a programmatic approach. It's uh, it's it's an automation play. It's about getting better answers, and um, but you you better be comfortable with the answers that you get and and be able to deal with that. Uh, you know, whether it's on the HR front or, you know, we're seeing a lot on the supply chain front with a lot of startups, in, uh, you know that are are trying to automate supply chain answers right uh, you know, and inventory management and, and, and planning so it, it's at the infancy um, you yeah. know we'll see how it plays out
0: yeah great point on the seo like just getting getting retailers and brands to rethink you know how am i going to get my products to show up and chris i'm i want i'm curious what you think especially when we talk about like the shopping angle of this like when you're yeah. looking for like how does this change how google's approach approaching commerce
1: yeah, I think that's the really interesting point here. And yeah. that's probably more longer term, but I think it's important to call out. I think it's a great question, and Like to me, I think if Google is smart about this, I wonder if this isn't also what jumpstarts their commerce efforts. Yeah. Because if you think about it, they have had the data for a long time to be the be-all end-all marketplace, but they've just never been able to get their act together. So could this be the lighter fluid? Possibly, if I'm a betting man, I would still say no, mm-hmm. but it's a really interesting question to think about in the long-term because you have the intersection of three things happening here, right? You have our nature to search as consumers, yep. intersecting with AI, and then intersecting with a commerce platform or a new version of that, something that we don't really know what that is yet. Mm-hmm. That is going to happen, and that'll be the next big transition in commerce, similar to e-commerce, the mobile phone. At least that's what I'm betting on now. 100%. Happening. And the race is on and Google stands to have a good a chance of anyone is winning that. You know, I start to think about what does this mean for Amazon? That's what I started reading in this story mm-hmm. for the strength of their commerce platform long term. Now they've got a lot of, you know, bullets in the chamber that, you know, they can defend themselves against that. And they're thinking about this. They released this same week too, right? And they they said they're putting this into their search as yep. well. So, so they're likely thinking about that as well. But, you know, what that commerce platform of the future looks like that's driven by, by AI is the really interesting question to me here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, such an <clears> important call, Chris. And what we really need to think about is that this is an entirely new way of shopping for the consumer. This is a new channel. This is not just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm searching in a different way and I'm going to have a back and forth. Like, this is taking voice that we talked about years ago when the, like, Google and Alexa devices came out and it was like, Yeah. It's great to be able to say like, "Mm, I need to make something for dinner tonight. What should I make? Like this is now serving that up in an entirely different way. It's going to be a back and forth that we as consumers haven't had before. It's like what Dave Ritter said, you have to type in three times to get the answer that you want. And I think that's what I'm going to be. I agree with you on the commerce. I think the Google commerce front, I think this is a huge opportunity for Google, 35 billion products that they have in their product universe to serve up to me through this exchange, this new way of shopping. But I think it all comes down to what are the search results like which what david brown was saying how how good are my keywords to serve up the right products because if it's just like you know the google shopping search now where i just get inundated with whoever paid the most for the research uh, or f- for the return results not what i'm actually looking for as a consumer it's not going to work they have to really get in there and make sure that the the key words that they're pulling from the conversation with me are serving me up a product that's going to save me time. Otherwise, this doesn't work.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Anne. Yeah, when you, when I step back and think about everything you just said and everything that Dave, the two Dave, Dave and David just said, is like I, you know, I'd be using AI to clean up my data first and mm-hmm. foremost as a retailer. That'd be where I would be starting. Dave, one question for you because you mentioned it because it really stuck with me. You said, you know, you've been a consultant for a lot of years now. You know, I won't I won't date you, but it's it's you know it's a good a good amount of time. And you said this is one of those seminal moments for you. What were some of those other ones? Was it like the mobile phone? Was it? E-commerce? I was going to give him a hard time
0: like, and be like color TV. No, there's yeah, a right. The radio. the radio. What was it, David?
3: <laughs> so one of the big ones was uh, Walmart went to four dollar generics. Every okay. drug okay. in the world just right. stopped. I mean, it was it was insane. Yeah, uh, I think that you know, go, the rise of mobile has obviously been one. Um, I, but I, to be to, to be perfectly candid there's not that many right there's only three or no. four um so yeah it's a it's a big deal well we, the other thing we always talk about how every 30
1: to 40 years retail Innovation cycles, there's some new commerce platform that develops you know you had the e-commerce you had the mobile phone and you know we're kind of at that next kind of you know stage gate of when you know when something new is going to happen so you know it's, it's 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 interesting to think about all right well let's keep rolling But before we get to headline number four, this is also the part of our podcast where we tell you about another great retail conference Anne and I are heading to this summer, and that is the Retail Innovation Conference and Expo. As one of Chicago's most famous fictional citizens
0: once said, Anne,
1: life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while... You could miss it
0: one of the hottest place. characters remember i'm like oh i still yeah. every time you say that i think about him in the towel talking yeah i it. learned that ann had a big
1: infatuation with matthew broderick in a towel uh, after the last time i read this which is still quite disturbing to me but anyway if you're feeling stuck in the day-to-day and daydreaming about all the things you could and would improve if you only had the time and the inspiration make like ferris bueller and take a day off in fact take three but don't just come in a towel the Retail Innovation Conference Please. and Expo is the perfect opportunity to step away from the everyday and experience what's next in retail via 100 sessions, show floor activations, magnificent mile store tours, and so much more. So, Anne, come on. A little, little. little. All right. Visit ArmyTalk.Rice.Events to learn more and be sure to secure your all-access pass by today. Today! May 18th, today to save $400. That's ArmyTalk. R. I. C. E. You can register today. Get to it. Get it going. We'll see you there. All right. Headline number four: Amazon, despite everything, is keeping its foot on the innovation gas pedal. According to Retail Dive, Amazon has debuted Amazon Anywhere, a new shopping tool that allows users to make purchases within games and apps. Amazon Anywhere enables shoppers to see relevant products with a selected game or app within a selected game or app, I should say, and access product details, images, prices, estimated delivery dates, and other information. All it takes is for shoppers to connect their Amazon account to whatever game or app they are using. David Brown, are you bullish or bear on in-game advertising as a strategy for retailers? All in. Yeah. All right. I
2: I absolutely love this one. You know, you mentioned uh, Amazon bullets and, uh, and new channels. This is exactly one, right? I mean, yeah. Gamers have already been trained on in-app purchases. Have already been, you know, and especially mobile gamers have already been trained on ads as much as you hate them. Uh, it's yeah, it's part of the experience. So why not fully develop this channel and and, and make it easier? There's been product placements in games for a long time. know um, yeah, there's been buying behavior in games. So I I think this is uh, this is brilliant, and uh, we'll actually have a lot of legs for uh, for Amazon.
1: You're all in, I love it.
3: Dave, Dave Ritter, what do you think? I couldn't agree more. Nice. Um, I, in the article he, he mentions, meet our customers where they are. I think that's mm-hmm. the right mantra in, in the digital world. Um, I also think this is an important uh, channel to engage younger customers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get them hooked. I mean, I don't know about you, my nephew uh, and niece uh, can't get their noses out of the games. So mm-hmm. I think this is, you know, I've got a captive audience and it's a great chance to, to engage a, a younger uh, segment.
1: And what do you think, yeah, Are you going to agree with the two gentlemen on the whole, show
0: today? Wholeheartedly. I think this yep. changes the entire perspective. Like my kid asking me to buy something in Fortnite now where I'm like, I don't even know who where this product has come, who I'm paying. Like right. this is really uncomfortable. But my kids know Amazon. They're comfortable with it. They have my account on their phone. Like they already are so set up. I feel more comfortable with it. I know where I'm going to go if something doesn't show up. Um, I have better visibility into what my kids are buying because it's showing up on my Amazon Amazon account. But I think number one thing that Amazon is doing right here is that you are not leaving the gaming platform. We talked about this last week, Chris, with like Lucky and Sephora, what they're doing. This is all right. happening inside the entertainment. Right. You don't have to leave the entertainment, which I think is going to be critical as we think about these new method, methods of purchasing in inside content. So I think that's the key thing here that Amazon's doing that not a lot of other retailers are going to be able to do.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. This is crazy. We're all like unanimously agreeing on this one, which is unusual for the four of us. But yeah, I mean, my the, the story I would share, the anecdote I would share is I ran into my one of my favorite all-time people to run to at a conference, which was Ben Thompson of the Endeavor Group oh. down in Australia last week in Barcelona. And he was talking about how this is such a big thing that there are beauty brands I think particularly in like South America that are only only marketing their products through video games. They're already taking this approach. Like that's right. how yeah. profoundly effective this approach is because video games know a ton about us as consumers. Mm-hmm. They have a great understanding of what's going to motivate us and they can serve up things in the moment in many different ways. They can constantly be A-B testing to understand what's the right ads, what's the best placement of those. And so he's onto something. And then I was like, okay, I've never really thought about that in the degree that you're telling me. And then today or this week, we see Amazon with this announcement. It's like, okay, yeah, they're smart, they're ahead of it. And I mean, what other retailer in the U.S. is even contemplating thinking about this right now? I mean, I can't
0: think of one. And and how, who wants to see the number of hours of dwell time inside those games? Like, talk about a captive oh. audience. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to know what those hours look like on some people's uh, devices. So. Yeah, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. think about the
2: the, the data that they already have, right, from Twitch and stuff like that, right? So it's it's
0: completely no-brainer. Unbelievable. All right, let's move on to headline number five. A new startup, Telly, plans to give away 500,000 free 4K TVs this year. But there's a catch. Every TV has a second screen that will constantly show you ads. According to Variety, the TV is a 55-inch main screen with a regular TV panel, three HDMI inputs, and an over-the-air tuner, plus an integrated soundbar. But what is most interesting is that each unit also has a 9-inch high screen affixed to the bottom of the set, which is real estate that telly will use for displaying news, sports scores, weather or stocks, or even letting users play video games. The second screen also features a dedicated space on the right-hand side that will display advertising ads. You can't skip past and ads that will stay on the screen the whole time you're watching TV. And even when you're not David Brown are the days of paying for a new HDTV and the crazy, like Black Friday waiting in line fighting over the giant big screen TV over or is this just a, a splashy marketing campaign?
2: Yeah, the image that comes to mind for me is like uh yeah, is Jim Cramer taking a bat to a TV. <laughs> and uh I to me this is yeah. Uh Ilya, the you know the founder of Pluto made his money like this is his next crazy idea but I think it's going nowhere. Um uh, Really? I, yeah, I hate it. Like it's, uh, why? Well, I think if you can, you look at like TV advertising and, and what TV has become, right? It's become sure. kind of so niche and, uh, a, there's no streaming platforms on any of this TV. It's only going to be a Chromecast device. So you're actually going to have to stream something to it from either your phone or a, a computer or anything like that. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to do that. Right. Anyways, it's like why, you know, the, you know, kind of the, the Google AI and TVs hasn't worked that well. Um, and I just don't think anybody's gonna, yeah, there might be a very small, low income market that will, will take a free TV, but people aren't looking for more ads. They're actually looking for kind of less ads. And, right. uh, uh, I, I see this going nowhere. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, All right. six months from now, you'll hear about uh, you know some VC writing off a uh, hundred million dollar investment, and uh, and that'll be the end of it.
0: Yeah, Dave Ritter, that was kind of on your mind, I know, as we were just going through stories before the show. But what what would you add to what David said? Oh, I just the the, the image just brings to
3: mind for me is uh, I'm sure that a bunch of kids in dorms across America will have this, and then they'll cover the the bar with a towel uh, and just watch the TV. Uh, I just I I have a hard time believing that the the upfront investment uh could be recouped right like they say it's a thousand dollar retail tv so what? that's 500 bucks a tv uh and the 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 audience is going to be you know lower likely uh you know lower income uh i just like to get to our the marketing return on investment i I, it would require some 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 pretty big assumptions um in terms of, of, of you know user input
0: right Well, Chris, um, what do you think about this? I'm, I'm really curious because I, I think I might differ a little bit from Dave and David, but what do you think? Yeah, I know.
1: I, I, I was thinking differently than them, but now they're so resolutely against it that I'm kind of starting to switch, switch my thinking here, but, uh, you know, did any of you, my question, did any, any of you guys actually try signing up for the TV? I signed up yes, for it yesterday. I did, did too. Yeah. yeah. And they, the crazy thing about it is I had to fill like, out like a Nielsen demographic spreadsheet on myself. You know, like the amount of data I had to give them to get this TV is probably pretty valuable. And they yeah. know that all in advance in terms of who they're giving the TVs to too. So I don't know. I guess it just comes down to like, for me what is the value of me as a consumer I have to think it's more than 500 dollars right yeah. that they can they can now be certain that they're putting the ads in front of me in a way that gets around the issue of people not watching actual TV anymore and so this circumvents that so there's a part of this that I really like uh it was you know difficult to sign up for but you know if if I'm getting a free 55 inch TV that's a pretty compelling thing that I think people will sign up for so I I think it's a it's gimmicky as hell, but yeah, it yeah. might just work. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not as I'm not as you know against Down it. On it. Yeah. I
0: well I wasn't able to I tried to sign up and I kept getting an error. So I wasn't able to get through to the Nielsen information. So maybe mm. you're you are more valuable custom of a customer the mobile than app I interface am. is kind of
1: tricky actually. Yes. That would be the one thing I would say it was not well designed. Yes. Yes.
0: But I kind of I think this is a cool idea, especially like coming from an advertising and marketing background. This would be a really fun project to work on because it is a challenge. Like how are you going to get people not to put a towel on the the ad part of it like Dave Ritter is talking about in the right. dorms, you know? I think that there's the opportunity here. Like one of the things that I think is really cool that they don't highlight. And we have no idea at this point, like how, how far they can take it, but they're talking about video gaming happening on the second screen while you're watching TV, which I think is relevant for a lot of audiences, like being able to watch a show and play a video game at the same time, sports betting being an option here. Like I think the idea of like watching a football game and then being able to like have QR codes or like things scrolling against the bottom to like show you where your bets are. And especially as, you know the the gambling across state lines and all of that starts to get the draft kings people start to like make their empire for, go further like i think this could be kind of cool um and i i think we'll either way we'll get a lot of information from this i do think even those those you know lower income customers even the kids in the dorms like there's data that can be collected about their habits that i think will at least return the $500 or $1000 investment for that data, I think there's a lot of companies paying a lot more for it. But anybody need I, the last word here? You, final word. Yeah, I love this,
2: the second screen idea, and in terms of uh, the sports betting and, and the gaming and everything like that, I just don't think an ad-supported model works.
3: Yeah, sure. And the I second screen model. is your phone, right? Like I, that's that's where. I right. kind
0: of... Now there's three I screens, the Dave. Screen. Three screens, five, okay, four, five. How, why not have more? How many can you have?
1: My favorite is Ann said, we're going to play a video game while watching TV. That just shows you, and she's excited about it. That just shows you the state of our society right yes. now. You know, well, ex- <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, I don't know. What can I It'll say?
1: Multitasking.
0: And yes. we're going to be ordering things from Amazon, like at the same time. It's like the perfect world. You can right. never have a oh down moment. I mean, All right,
2: TVs, let's. TVs have gotten so cheap. Why wouldn't you just rather have a 65 or 75 inch yeah. TV instead of, uh, you know. A 50 yeah. with something that's showing you something
3: you don't want.
0: Right. So. Cause it's, it's free. It's free. Yeah. Nothing better than free. All right. Let's close this up here. We'll get to the lightning round. Dave Ritter. The first question is for you. Etsy launched a wedding registry recently and hopes to pick up share from the sunset bed, bath and beyond registry. Dave, what registry item caused the most disagreement between you and your spouse?
3: So I like to cook and my wife does not like to cook. So I added a kind of a fancy German knife set that was over a thousand dollars and food uh, stuff. Uh, yeah, I think that, I, I, I forget exactly what brand it was, but uh, uh, but my wife was not excited about that. Her, her take was you only get to put a few pretty expensive things on there, and sure. like I get no I get no utility out of that. So let's pick something we both like. Uh, anyway, I kind of strong armed her on that one, and, and she finally caved in. We put it on and got it. So they're nice knives. <laughs> she doesn't like food.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a, this is a required kitchen tool. Absolutely need to have it. All right, Chris. All right, next, next up,
3: one.
1: David Brown Hines launched Remix, which is like a Coke Fee style, but for sauces. <laughs> so given that description, what sauce combo would you most like to make?
2: Uh, anything hot. It's got to be hot, hot, hot. So okay. uh, let me find the jalapeno dial and uh, and dial that up. But, but here's what I think is even more interesting about this. I'm waiting now for like Breville or whoever that's going to come out with the home version. Like oh my a salad dressing making station. You can have some olive oil, okay. a bunch of vinegars. So like I hope this for some kind of home innovation for me because I would love a, a sauce maker at home.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that idea. This is like future, the future stuff, David. I love it. I love where your head is going. Jetson
2: esque
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, all right, David, back to you. Beyonce and Taylor Swift are going head to head this summer to have the highest grossing concert tour by an artist ever hitting an estimated $1 billion in tour revenue. Which artist would you buy a ticket to in order to help them achieve this goal?
2: Well, I already contributed $2,500 to the Taylor Swift fund. so oh uh, my Whoa
0: gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, I, had
2: to, uh, I, I had to cancel our spring break and uh, make it up to my wife and daughter. So uh, they went to see Taylor Swift in
1: Dallas.
0: Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. Wow.
2: She's she's that
1: powerful. She's that popular. We saw that Vegas, the place was off the hook, wasn't yeah. it, Ann? It was Unbelievable. Nuts. Okay. All right, last one. Lego is releasing a 3,981-piece Batcave set. Dave Ritter, if you could have any of Batman's toys, any one of Batman's toys, which toy would it be?
3: Oh, this is a no-brainer. The
1: really? Batmobile.
3: The, oh, Batmobile? Yeah. the
1: Batmobile? The
0: Batmobile
3: is the only move, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Really? The,
1: okay, interesting. Interesting. I'm sure, Right answer. Really? That's the right answer? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes, all right, hundred percent. What would you want, Chris? The suit? You want the bat? Yeah, suit? the
2: suit for sure.
1: For sure, the suit. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The cowl, the cape. Yeah, of course.
2: If if I have the bat light, can I actually call Batman?
1: Yeah, cool. That'd be cool yeah, too. The Batman bat light. Could. Yeah, that you could. And then I would come running, David Brown. I would come running
2: in the suit, and Dave in would drive suit. up in the car. Yeah, and David Dave
1: would drive and I up are going to be car.
0: rolling like we're on our way to Vegas in the Batmobile. So we'll see you all later.
1: The grappling hook, it's so hard to pick. It's like picking between my children. All right, that wraps us up today. Happy birthday to George Strait, Brooks Robinson, and to the bedrock of great comedy writing, Tina Fey. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk, the only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day. It also features special content exclusive to us and we do it just for you. And we try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Dave Ritter, if people want to get in touch with the a Consumer and Retail Group, what's the best way for them to do that?
3: There's three ways. The first is our website, which is www.alvarezandmarsal-crg.com. Uh, we also have a LinkedIn page, which is alvarezandmarsal-crg. Uh, and finally, you can email either myself or David directly. It, my uh, email address is dritter, R-I-T-T-E-R, at alvarezandmarsal.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's
1: great having you guys. Thanks for joining us. David Ritter and David Brown of the AM Consumer and Retail Group. And as always, it's been emotional. It's been it a blast. Has. We'll be back next week. So until then, on behalf of all of us at Omni Talk and on behalf of our guests, be careful out there.
0: The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the a and Consumer and Retail Group. The a Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And SPS Commerce. SPS Commerce is redefining how businesses across the supply chain operate in an omnichannel world. Their experts, tech, and data work together to fuel your growth and deliver for your customers find out more head to spscommerce.com and finally sezzle sezzle is an innovative buy now pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks to learn more visit sezzle.com